Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. If you're new here, it's a podcast about starting a record label. Anyway, uh, this week I have on Scott Orr. Uh, he not only has a indie record label called Other Songs, he's also an artist, and he has one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Other Record Labels. He actually uh, interviews, obviously, other record labels and a lot of big ones, including uh, Sub Pop and whatnot. It's it's pretty great to listen to if you want to get into the mind of some of these higher-ups at other record labels. So we talk about his label. We talk about the potential of my label. Uh, we also talk about the use of things like podcasts and YouTube to help promote your band or your record label. Just a quick reminder, if you enjoy what I do, uh, please do me a favor and subscribe and share it on any and any kind of social media that you have. Wherever you're at right now, do me a favor, click a share, send it off to your friends. But anyway, without further ado, here is Scott Orr from Other Record Labels. Hey everybody, this is Josh from uh, Starting a Record Label, and I've got Scott Orr from Other Songs and Other Record Labels. Uh, I mean, I'm, I love podcasts. I just devour <laughs> them. Uh, a lot of the stuff I do on the weekends to kind of help uh, kind of support the family is like some gig-related stuff. And I just I just chew through podcast upon <laughs> podcast. And uh, I came upon yours, I th- was it almost two years ago, I think, that yeah, you may have started? Well, I think at the very beginning. Like, I found um, it because I'm just constantly searching for music ones. And uh, I fell in love with it. And, you know... Uh, of the music industry podcasts, I I don't think there's very many about record labels in general. Yeah, I know that was that was pretty lucky. I didn't even really think about that. I mean, I did a little bit of research a- ahead of time, but um, uh, yeah, that was. I mean, that's that's turned out to be kind of a lucky thing. I started listening to you, uh, some of your music too, as well. And like, dude, I love some of the tracks that you've been putting out. These the <laughs> circle stuff that you put out. I was like, holy crap, this is just like, this makes me feel good. This is like chill music. Like, I just love it. You know, normally I'm, That's awesome. I'm doing recording horrible kids or something, but you yeah, know, it's nice to hear some, some good music every once in a while. I've made some of that music too. <laughs> Very nice. How'd, yeah, thanks, uh, man. How'd you get started in this whole this whole record label thing? Uh, well, I mean, I started my own um, record label in 2010, so 10 years ago. Oh, and wow. um, I was, I mean, I started out in a lot of the labels I talked to start out the same way. But I started out, um, I, I guess I must have had some sort of affinity for record labels, you know, in my, in my youth. But I started out as a DIY artist just doing my own um music and i was i had a home studio and i was recording my own stuff and it was really like really basic back then and um Mm -hmm. it was i was just doing my own things and then when i wasn't recording my own music i wanted to still fool around in the studio so i recorded some of my buddy's music and i remember saying in 2009 i remember saying like would you guys want to start a record label together under and they were in they were going to this college that had a lot of people a lot of fans and people were coming out to their gigs and i i wasn't in college and i i didn't have as many fans but i had some online fans and i thought you know if we could get together and put these two bands together then we could share fans and then i had a lot of no like basically i was like i'll take your fans and then you can take my knowledge that i have when it comes to like making cds and mastering tracks and that kind of stuff so it was like, I always saw it as like pooled resources, you know, like if for some reason 
if you ever had to buy like a CD replicator or a photocopier or a preamp or anything that costs a lot of money in the music industry, if you could share it between like four bands who don't need to use it all the time, but occasionally need to use it, then that's like, you know, a great economic situation. And so that's to me where the label kind of started in my, you know, where I thought a label would be a good idea is just to share resources and to share some of the benefits amongst a bunch of bands. And so that's kind of just how it formed back in 10 years ago. Nice. I I kind of wonder sometimes because I'm a recording engineer and I kind of wonder like why bands don't do that kind of idea more yeah. often to where like because you'll see them. They'll try to get like a piece of gear here and there. It's like, well, if you guys kind of pulled some stuff together, because a yeah. lot of them even have practice spots together, you know, well, why don't you kind of yeah. pull your resources together and have a little studio in there, too? You know, I've seen some more. I have some buddies. Um, I was just at a studio recently and I I think three like-minded musicians all with the same aesthetic are are kind of doing that and they have all of their gear in one spot i think i, I think it's a great idea mm -hmm. so what you're saying is since you had a lot of like prior knowledge kind of trying to promote yourself you kind of pulled it in with the partnership so, so of some other people to kind of create the label yeah so when you're working with other people how hands-on are you then do you do a lot of producing and recording of them too yeah um, the label evolved out of my home studio and, and, you know, 10 years ago, home studios were not as common as they are today. And I mean, even the home studio I had back then, it like the, the converters were, were really basic and, um, everything was run off of a PC and pro tools back in 10 years ago, you couldn't even use pro tools unless you had their hardware so it was a really, it was like a tough time for home studios. So I, I was pretty unique that I had gear that I could record and I, I figured out how to manipulate the software that I had and the tools that I had to make something that sounded pretty decent. I was also figuring out the internet and the first wave of, you know, web 2.0 and, and figuring out how to share music online and how to share MP3s. And, um, and so I was kind of just figuring out that and everything came out of the idea of the studio. And so to me, a record label or my record label has, has always been, I record the music and then I release the music. And um, that has been a really great way to go on because I can record the music essentially for free for the artists and we can ha and you know, I'm, I'm only working with artists that I enjoy spending, you know, 200 hours in the studio with, but I'm mm -hmm. making these tracks and then we're releasing them under my label and we're starting with a cost of zero. You know what I mean? So it's like the break even point is instant. Like we can sell one MP3 and we're, we're good. And so um, it's not always the case. Like there's promotion and sometimes we have session musicians and other things, but um, it, it really helped keep the cost down. The problem with that. Mm -hmm as 10 years has gone on and I've been doing some other things with the podcasts, it's, it's been an issue because now in order for me and for my label to have a release, I need to spend 12 months working on a record and it's worked for the past seven or eight years. But in the last couple of years, it hasn't, it hasn't been something sustainable. I've been, you know, pulling back on releases to focus on the podcast. And I've also been looking for more, artists who have records already completed that I can release. Okay. So you might be moving to more kind of 
uh, like releasing other people's already recorded stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's the goal. I, I just don't have the time anymore to do even even artists locally. Like I just don't have the time to do that, and I don't necessarily have the passion to do that because I've done it before. I've done eight or nine years of doing that, and um, it, it's just really tiring, and it's and it's demotivating whenever it's like you work on a record for a year and then it just doesn't sell or it doesn't strike a chord with people. That's really depressing. So I, yeah, I am kind of moving away from that. The funny thing is, is that I never realized that like that's record a label recording the, the records and then releasing those records was really unique. I, I kind of thought more labels did that, but it, you know, I mean, originally like sun records, that's how they did it. But, Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, it's now it's not common at all. No. In fact, I've been wanting to start a label for a, a very long time. And uh, your podcast kind of was like one of the ones that kind of helped me like, you know what, you need to do this now kind of deal. Uh, I've even had names and, and stuff and logos and everything kind of picked out for <laughs> a long time. And as being a recording engineer, it was just like, well, why don't I just do this myself? Like, it's hilarious. Like, uh, you got a studio, you got a place, you got it's zero money to almost yeah. record some of these guys. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind that's of brilliant right. to be honest. Yeah, that's great. No, that's that's definitely that you know covers so much of the bases. And and I I mean I think about the artists like Spotify pays so little and and even digital just pays little. And if you don't have a lot of fans, if or if you're taking a chance on a weird genre, you could release a record and make like under fifty dollars in the first week. That's not a that's not unheard of. That's very very common. Mm-hmm. And so if you are paying somebody to engineer and mix and master track you could be easily be at a thousand dollars a song so a five song ep could cost you five thousand dollars no problem and uh that's just really and that's before manufacturing so that's just um that breaks my heart it's it's, and so if you can be in a position to offer people recording um to break bring down those expenses that's awesome yeah and you were saying a little bit earlier about you know working on stuff and then just not it not being released for so long it kind of just it, it kind of scrapes like you know Anya it yeah I worked in the recording studios uh, around Los Angeles and how much stuff like through labels and one that that was recorded that they're, they're like yeah your name's gonna be on it or this you know all this stuff's gonna happen we'll see <laughs> this single and whatnot out in like six months and nothing ever ever came out of like 99 percent of it so oh like, sure yeah just I never bet. seeing like any of that like oh man like <laughs> yeah i'm not oh, doing totally. anything here <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah you can never get paid on like just that uh um affiliation that never goes anywhere Mm-mm. do you have a would you say a genre that you generally work with yeah, originally we were really focused on folk music, and um, I mean, I still I think everything is kind of rooted in the sing- singer songwriter nature. I don't, I and that's always been a limitation. I don't know if that's been my preference, uh, but it's just been a limitation of the studio. When you're a bedroom studio, and and originally we were in this like room that was, uh, oh my gosh, it was like you could lay down one way, but you couldn't lay down another way. Like it was really a closet. <laughs> And it was just so small. And so I think that was probably the limitations of having one or two channel inputs. And, and, and so singer, and, and then also like, if you're looking to sign people, it's easier to to come up with singer songwriters than it is to come up with bands or to come up with bands that are going to stay together or 
have their songs worked out, you know. So I, I think it has always been folk music. It's been rooted in like a Canadian folk music with obviously Americana influences. And um, but over the years, it's evolved to being, um, you know, a lot more, you know, maybe maybe pushing closer to, to alternative indie rock or maybe pushing closer to electronic or ambient experimental. Um, mm. But the what I've always found is that everything is rooted in the song. Everything is, is rooted in a great song. Um, and I think everyone would say that, but to me, when there's a melody and there's a great singer, um, I, I feel like I can look back on our catalog and say, it's been about the song first and then all of the stuff is just, you know, toppings, you know? <laughs> yeah. No worries. How, how often do you think, uh, how often do you release music? Do you think? Well, you know, my label has, is really took a, a sharp turn about two or three years ago when, especially with the, the turn, when the podcast started and my, my focus has been, entirely on the podcast now and the community around the podcast that's just been where i'm you know the the origin of the podcast and some of the other youtube initiatives i was doing was a way to bring attention to the label because a label is always on social media it feels like you're always promoting yourself you're always promoting your own products Mm -hmm. and i was in search of a way to communicate with people that wasn't via me promoting something that that I've done. It always just felt so vain. So I started, you know, working, doing studio tours and I started doing the podcast and interviewing record labels as a way to build a community and to, um, to start to promote content that wasn't about me or wasn't about the artists on my label. So I, that shift happened, um, two years ago, two or three years ago. Um, and because of that, a lot of attention has gone towards that, and now I'm trying, as my label, I'm trying to do one major release a year and then mm-hmm. sing, singles whenever they come. So, like, if an artist is like, hey, listen, I recorded this or I have an ambient artist on a label who will send me a fully completed EP and I'll be like, oh, let's release this in a couple of months, you know. Um, but usually I try to have one record that I've been working on for a year or two every single year um, and then you know, some singles and some EPs, uh, when I can, if, if I was a hundred percent focused on the label and didn't have these other projects, uh, then I would be maybe doing a major release every quarter. Um, but the, you know, we've seen some labels on the podcast who do one major release a month. And I just think that's, mm. I couldn't do that. I, I mean, I have no idea, not even talking about recording it. I just, um, good for them for doing that. I just feel like I would get so overwhelmed. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you've gotten some pretty notable labels on your podcast. Yeah. How has that kind of changed? I, I, well, I mean, you, I guess you could kind of just talked about it, uh, changed how you run the label, I guess you, you are kind of more focusing on the podcast even than the label. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did it give you any kind of like bumps or listens or in like purchases or anything for the label? I don't- I don't know. Uh, maybe I, I haven't really looked at that. Like I've just been so kind of consumed with, with the podcast and you know, it's, it's tough because originally like I saw it as being this unique thing that 
our label offered in a, a unique way to network with people and to promote the label and to have to have content on the label and and to do exactly what you said, which is to drive, you know, eventually or what or you know. Um, collaterally drive people to our band camp or our streams to be aware of our artists. Well, the problem, and, mm-hmm. and I, and I don't know, I'm, I'm sure that's happened. Like there's been a bump in everything. There's been a bump in social media. There's been a bump in websites hits. So, um, and the music has slowed down, um, because of the podcast. So it's hard to tell if there would be a bump if we kept it up, but, um, I've just been so focused with the podcast and, and originally it was this idea of, having some sort of unique selling point for the label is to have this podcast. But now I kind of Mm -hmm. feel like there's like this pivot happening where just in my own life, where this podcast is, has become really special, really unique. It's getting a really good response from a a really great community. And I just really kind of want to dive headfirst into that, focus on it. And, you know, we're at the 10 year mark of the label and I'm okay if what I'm doing right now, pivots and the label has to kind of um go on pause however the label has always been the home of my music and i don't stop making music so i will always try to release stuff when i can um but it's you know the podcast has just become such a big role how that affects the label i don't know um yeah Hmm. i don't know yeah i mean that's kind of the the reason I kind of started what I'm doing right now, I mean, heck, it's called starting a record label just because it's kind of like a just just a journal of me kind of almost to force me sure. to, to kind of move forward. But at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe I can gather a little bit of following on this and have a little bit of a soft open before. Yeah, you know? well, I do think that there is something good about a label having something unique about them. Everyone starts a record label and they think that all you have to do is start a record label and have a logo and sign a band. But Um, and I mean, it's the same way when you open a coffee shop, everyone just thinks open a coffee shop and get a cappuccino machine and a name and a logo. But like, I think the ones that do well are one are people who do something unique or serve a certain aesthetic. So I think labels are great when they're cassette only labels or when they're only experimental drone music, or, you know, when they're only punk and they're only on seven inch. To me, if you if you're doing something that's really niche and you have a really unique aesthetic, I think that will help you stand out as opposed to trying to just be like starting off and trying to be like Universal Records or something. It's just ridiculous. So doing like a podcast um, for your journey or doing um, a magazine or or, you know, something that's a little bit different than everyone else, I definitely think that's a smart way to go about it other than just, you know, otherwise other more than the, the just starting a label, signing a band, just like everyone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about, about me and it, but like this, <laughs> my idea is a little bit, I feel like a little bit different than most labels. I feel like when, when you talk to labels, you talk to like generally bigger labels or, uh, yeah. we're, we're kind of, you're more like likely just to release music. And what I kind of want to do is kind of work with the artist and not only uh, release music, maybe more consistently, like once a month, a song or something like that to work, work towards like maybe more like a singles idea and work towards more of like a social media presence, Uh, whether it be video and everything else. So I don't know. 
that's one of the kind of niches where I'm trying to kind of to come in here. I, yeah. I know there's a lot of labels that just do stuff, you know, just release stuff. Well, I definitely think art, I mean, artists need help and you're in, and you'll be surprised. Like when you suggest something to an artist that's you think is really basic, they, they'll probably be like, wow, I never thought of that. You know, like mm. it's, it's so surprising how little they've thought or a lot of artists, some are different, but a lot of artists, how little they've thought about um, the business side of things and the, the technical side of things. So for someone to come along and suggest something like that or suggest them to be more prolific than they had thought they should be. Um, I think they'll, I think that's a great thing. I think they'll be receptive to that or they should I hope be. So I, you know, I mean, I know you've probably noticed it with the podcast. It be it kind of consuming a little bit more than the label. Like I figure, yeah. you know, trying to put those social media aspects together with an artist it's it's only going to help. Like it can't hurt in any other way or form. I'm, they've kind of only totally. kind of try to sell merch and t- sell music or, or get streams nowadays. And I really think they kind of need to to widen what they do. I mean, I just I didn't even know Absolutely. that you did studio tours. Uh, I was on your YouTube channel uh, right before this, and I was like, oh whoa, studio <laughs> tours! I didn't even realize that. And so you're into video too. So I was like, oh dang! I was going to ask, like, oh, are you think about getting into video? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's um. And like, I can't say, I, I wouldn't tell labels that it's the smart thing to do. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure if that's helped my artists. My artists would probably say it hasn't helped because I've been more focused on that. So I, I mm-hmm. you know, it's certainly helped me. It's, it's been more fun for me. And it's uh, like, I feel like I'm building a network. I don't know what that will result in. I guess probably the end goal would be to have a network to have an audience to to build um a a group of music fans so that when i release music or an artist on my label releases music that they have more people that are there to hear them and so the studio tours was just me being bored and wanting to to do you know to go out and meet people um Hmm. and to you know to grow the, the youtube page a little bit but what ends up happening is that you put a studio tour on there. We had a tour from a couple weeks ago that like just blew up. And I think it has like maybe 30,000 views or something in like three or four weeks. And, and it, and it's like an hour long tour, but we will put this up there and we'll get, you know, uh, hundreds of new subscribers. And then people will say, Oh, I listened to your, but we'll also put on like, we'll put on the, the, mp3s of our catalog on our youtube channel as well and a lot of people will comment and saying i'm here for the studio tours but i really like this it's a beautiful song you know and i've done i've done one of the things i did was uh on the youtube channel is i did like a mix breakdown where i'll take one of the songs on our label kind of like sound song exploder and and talk about all of the elements in the song and show them those elements in pro tools and that is a promotion for the song very much like um song exploder and why mm-hmm. artists will do that podcast is because it's ultimately it's for geeks but it's ultimately um promoting the song and promoting the record and promoting the artist so um yeah i think there was like a you definitely have to do something different i can't say i did those to promote my label maybe i did subconsciously maybe i did consciously then failed and then just kept doing it because i liked it but uh, you definitely have to do something at, at the very least just to keep yourself interested. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, you know, I even see a lot of actors and especially comedians, obviously, doing podcasts. And I really think like their podcast has probably taken over more than some of their acting jobs have. I mean, definitely with Joe right. Rogan, but like even take a look at um, oh, what's uh, what's the guy that's married to Kristen Bell? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dax <laughs> I Shepherd. can't remember his name. Dax yeah. Shepard. Like he has his own podcast now. It's gotten very big. Yeah. So it's kind of like, wow, this, you know. Yeah. I'm sure it can help, but at the same time, it, it what happened with you, it kind of yeah, takes over what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. And I mean, I'm not even a, I'm not even a podcast fan. Like I don't, I have like one podcast I listen to one or two uh, occasionally. And it's only if I go for a long drive, I find them, I find them stressful to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And I, but yeah, I've been so blessed that like, it seems to be that people love it. And, and, you know, you, you would think, think that it would be like a certain crowd but really it's everyone like everyone um maybe a certain demographic a certain age but like everyone has their podcast which is great nice who are some people that you'd really really like to have on the podcast that you haven't yet oh that's that's a good question well actually um i don't know yeah i don't know i've been really really thankful that like today actually i i booked two a labels for next week. I mean, it won't air till probably June or July, but like uh, that I've been trying to get for a while. Well, one of them, I only emailed them last week. And then another one I've been emailing for a year and some of the bigger labels, like bigger independent labels, you know, like merge and Jag Jaguar and um, like the secretly group and stuff th- you email them for like, you could be emailing them for like six months to a year. And they just are like, uh, I'd like to do this, but not right now. Email me later. And then you just kind of pester and pester and pester. And, and, uh, just last week I emailed this other label and I was like, I'm sorry to bother you, but I thought because of the, you know, the lockdown that people might have more time on our hands <laughs> and uh, sure enough, they're like, yeah, let's do it Tuesday. So I, you know, um, I've been really blessed with like, when I think of a label, then, I email them and they generally will say yes, which has been really great. Like it's, I mean, it hasn't always been that way. It's been, it's get, it's gotten easier. Um, but to be honest with you, sub pop is a label I interviewed a year ago mm-hmm. and I interviewed them a year and a half ago. We aired it a year ago and that was like getting that. And I got that through a contact at another great label that I was lucky enough to get. And, um, I felt like when I got sub pop that that's the biggest indie label in the world. And it's the biggest mm-hmm. indie label that ever will be. They're just iconic. And, and so getting that label and then, um, moving forward now, when I ask a big label, I just say that I've interviewed sub pop and it's like, now everyone says yes. Cause you, if sub pop did it, then you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, <laughs> you just it's just the, the name. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh yeah, totally. So now I can say like sub pop and mute records. I mean, Daniel Miller is like one of the founders of electronic music in, in the mm. history of music. Like it's, it's humongous. And, and he works with Depeche Mode and, and Kraftwerk. And so like to interview that label, 30 year old label. Um, now you can just drop those names and, and most people will say, yeah. So now moving forward though, to answer your question half an hour ago, now moving forward, I, I do these like industry insider episodes, like every four, three or four labels, I'll interview somebody 
who's not at a label, who's in the mm. industry. Yeah, I like the Precision Press one. That was, yeah, that was really fun. Um, and we have, I think, like, I don't know when this episode that we're doing now will air, but um, uh, next week, uh, so middle of April, it was C- I've interviewed CD Baby. And so that was a fun conversation. So I actually have, in a way, I, I'm having more fun doing the industry ones because it's a, it's really fresh. You get to a certain mm. point after like, 30, 40 labels where, you know, it's, we're all talking about pretty much the same stuff. So to talk with a record pressing plant, to talk with submit hub and CD baby and some of these insider players, uh, I think is a ton of fun. So, so, so sorry, let me answer the fight. Like finally answer this question. (laughs) Now that I've had a walk around to interview someone from Spotify would be my dream. And, I think they are so mysterious that I would never in this lifetime get an interview. And if I did get an interview, I don't think they'd answer all my questions. So I, my dream would be Spotify. Um, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I find it kind of hard to get people to commit or respond um, just in general. I've done several other podcasts, too. One of them was like uh, called A Band's Life to where I was trying trying to get bands on that were maybe mm. doing pretty good and on their own, but they, oh, they were the worst. Like they would right. never respond. And yeah. so it was kind of, it was kind of, it's kind of weird to try to get people, to get people on where like kind of pester them a little bit, but. Oh yeah. You know, the crazy thing about the, the podcast is that my episodes are an hour. It takes an hour to record an episode and then maybe a half an hour to prep it and, and release it and a half an hour promotion. But then it will take like two weeks of, emailing to book a show yeah as soon as i book something it's like it's uh it's totally easy to do but the booking is is easily the hardest part yeah and and you know what's crazy too about the labels is the small labels like the one man one person operations they're harder to book than the major like the big big labels because i my theory is the big big labels they work nine to five they're paid by their boss to sit there and mm-hmm. and like they have all the time in the world to to, to be interviewed you know what I mean? whereas the smaller labels have have full-time jobs elsewhere that makes sense oh i was gonna say uh you should definitely try to get either brandon ebel or uh larry livermore in the future i don't know if yeah. you've ever tried Who, who's uh who's larry what was he where's he from oh, uh he did lookout lookout records Oh, okay. Yes. They're no okay, more, well, but like his story is right. I read his book that he put out like a, a year or two ago. And like, I yeah. literally almost cried at the end. Like it was just, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, I got to get that book. I got to send me a link for that. Cause sure. I, I love reading label books. You know what? That's a good idea. I, I did email tooth and nail, um, uh, like a year ago and I followed up once. The problem is, is that they have a massive podcast and, oh, it's true. um, and I, I just don't know if um, if they would do something like this. But, you know, as time goes on and, like, uh, now that I have a little bit more uh, labels under my belt, I can maybe go back and and see if they would would, would do it. Um, I mean, I think they have a great story. I would, I would love to talk to Tooth and Nail. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, though, the fact that he had, like, nothing created some crazy, like, 
underground Christian following and yeah. then sold it to EMI and then now has it back. It's, it's yeah. kind of crazy <laughs> to even think yeah, about it. Actually, yeah, totally. That's actually funny because that's the exact same story as the Mute Records one in the UK that Daniel Miller sold uh, Mute Records like 20 years ago to EMI for millions of dollars and mm-hmm. then and then bought it back for not mil- millions. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I don't, Brandon Evil would be probably harder to get on the phone than a marketing director. You know, there's a couple labels. Uh, it's very rare that I talk to the founder of a label. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Miller, what you know, was a was a a rare example. And um, the person I was interviewing at the time at the label was did a lot of work to get me that um, interview, and it was only a ten minute interview. But um, it, to get a founder is really hard. <laughs> nice. Well, do you have any other plans for uh, for expanding what you do with whether with the podcast or the label? Yeah, yeah, I think um, you know the community around the the podcast is is growing really big, and um, there's I get you know it's not an exaggeration. I'm getting like two or three two today, but I'm getting two or three emails a week of people emailing me about the podcast and and how much you know they're benefiting from it. And, and I'm hearing from people who are starting labels all the time. I think it's incredible. I mean, I think it's really this new wave of people feeling confident to start a label. And so I feel some sort of calling to that, um, that community. And I, I I'm still trying to figure out what that might be and how the podcast can help more people and how the community can help each other to for people who are starting a record label i mean it was such an absurd thing just to to have a community around people starting a record labels because Mm -hmm. not a lot of people were doing it but now i think it's much more common for people to start record labels and i and i encourage people to do it so um yeah so the plan is to keep doing that and then my label i mean my label is 10 years next month i think or in two months from now and and so um, I'm certainly not, it's not going anywhere. And, um, I would love to do, uh, some more records and work with some more artists. I'm always looking for new artists, um, and looking for just the right, the right one who has, you know, a record that really moves me and, and wants to, and they want to work with me. So the label's still alive. It's, it's taking a back seat right now, but that might change in five years from now, there might be this huge shift where the podcast goes away and the label's strong again, you know, who knows? Well, I know that you've, you really encouraged me to get off my freaking rear and actually, uh, start trying to, to put piece this together. I know that this <laughs> whole, you know, virus thing has kind of slowed that down temporarily, but I really feel totally. like it's going to, you know, it'll get back to normal by the end of the year. Uh, well, you know, we'll get moving by the end of the year at least. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, man, I really think that maybe you should kind of move to even, working like right either writing a book about this because you you obviously have like a really big uh community of people that you know want to do something like this you know they whether or not they actually will is another thing but yeah it, sure it's so- yeah. definitely something that's you know you know sparks some interest in people yeah well and I'm, I'm glad to hear that that you've enjoyed the show and i i like i had no idea what would come out of it um i think the biggest surprise for me is I would have, you know, there's a lot of like medium sized labels who are interested in, it, but the biggest surprise to me is people 
who uh, are saying, I want to start a record label. It's always been my dream. You know, maybe someone in their forties or fifties, or maybe someone who's 17 or, or 16 saying, you know, I want to start labels. These are people who are starting a label for the very first time, haven't released anything. Uh, that really surprised me that those people came out of the woodwork. I would have thought this would be labels who've been around for five or 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. who would, who would follow along with the show. And that certainly we do have those listeners, but it's the people who have, um, who, you know, who are just dreaming about starting a record label that just blew me away. How many of those people there are. And I think yeah. it's so exciting. Truth. Well, here's my, here's my last question. And it's a little bit, sure. uh, a little bit selfish for me. Um, okay. <laughs> what, in what way do you think would be the best way to kind of look for artists today? Um, yeah, well, you know, you can get submissions on submit hub, which is a really great platform and you can filter your, um, genre preferences and you also get paid um not like payola but you get like um credits through them um but it's a really good way for people artists to kind of bring all of their um assets together and present their single or their album to you as a label so that's one way labels can can kind of filter their a and r um and have people submit to them um is through submit hub uh, the other thing is um, you have to have like a perfect artist in mind. And so it's an, someone who has an album recorded, but not yet released <laughs> and <laughs> someone who um, needs uh, help on the business side. Um, and someone who isn't, who's, who's has a little bit of an audience has is talented, but isn't, too big that that they need someone bigger than you (laughs) you know what i mean like it's it's just there is and i'm talking about myself you're like this is the type of person i'm looking for it's this is really fine line and that's why i haven't signed anyone in a really long time is because if i do like a deep dive on Bandcamp and search through like you know the uh genre tags and and just kind of spend hours like searching for a certain type of music you might find someone who's like the album is just perfect but it was released two months ago and it's too late for you to get on board, you know? And, Mm. and then, or you might find someone and on Spotify, they have like a hundred thousand followers and they're somehow on their own, they're doing better than they would if they were with a label. So it's, it's really hard to find. You might find someone who's just perfect. They're regional. They're really into you. Um, you, the chemistry is really good. Um, they have a sort of a small following, but they need your help to grow that following. But then their music is just not great or it's good, but it's not enough for you to, to commit six months of your life into, you know, like the music Mm -hmm. is good, but just not good enough for you personally. And so it's such a fine line um, that it's really hard. I think a lot of people think that that'll be the easy part, but that's re- it's really hard, and I think you'll sign bands that you'll regret, and I think you'll sign bands that um, may not work out, and they maybe regret working with you. But you really have to just kind of go through that whole process. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that. I hope that. Helped. No, super helpful. No, uh, especially with the submit HUD thing too. Uh, I didn't. I never even thought about that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I definitely. I have like an idea uh, written down of like the perfect kind of band, and it's like I'm looking at it and like. 
I wonder if this band actually even exists, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just too much stuff. Maybe I'm asking too much. I don't know. Well, you definitely need to, you, you really should have a guinea pig band. And I mean, a lot of people who start labels are artists themselves and they release their own music as a guinea pig or your friend's band. So if you can do that, then everyone's a lot more forgiving and willing uh, for you to make your mistakes on on your friends than on you know some band from the Netherlands who are hoping that you're going to break them in America. <laughs> that, you know? that definitely makes sense. <laughs> you have a little. <laughs> you're out there. Hey, I could at least do this. You know, they can at least yeah. see that. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Scott. I uh, appreciate you coming on. I love your podcast. Sorry for the hiccups we had earlier. Uh, I just no, that's okay. I'm super happy to have you on. That's great. Uh, go ahead and let everybody know what, uh, where they can find you and whatnot. Well, uh, my label is othersongsmusic.com and othersongs.bandcamp.com. And uh, all of the social platforms I'm on at Other Songs. Um, and then our podcast is otherrecordlabels.com. Very nice. By the way, the the name for the uh, podcast, it, this hilariously fits super well. <laughs> like, oh, it's, this is Other Oh, yeah? Labels. Just other uh, yeah I, yeah well <laughs> I, I was always trying to brand things with the word other because our label is called other songs and mm-hmm. yeah that that actually was the first thing to come to me out of the whole deal <laughs> very nice well have yourself a good day and thanks so much man you too thanks very much uh stay in touch thanks so much to scott and make sure to hit that subscribe button and uh see you next time